There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, my buddy, my good friend. He's always on this podcast. I feel like he's a crutch of this podcast. We rely on him so much for some of the mental gymnastics. Greg Smith, hello. How are you? I, I am very well. Um, I appreciate the, my new title as the crutch of the Varsity Club podcast. <laughs> I'll take that. That's right up there with recruiting extraordinaire. I like it. You are, uh, you're beyond just a friend of the pod at this point because <laughs> I just rely on you so much. So I feel like it's appropriate to call you a crutch of this podcast. That works. Um, we have not gotten to talk much since this happened. And since I have you here, I'm sure... You know, most people listening to this might not care about it, but my boy, Russell Westbrook, is going to your team, the Los Angeles Lakers. This trade happened. You guys gave up Kuzma and KCP and and Montrez Harrell, and you got Russell Westbrook back. How do you feel about this? Um, I am happy about it. I have long been a fan of Russell Westbrook, the player, and just Russell Westbrook, the person. Good answer. Um, so, Good answer. So that it works for me. I am also just fascinated by how this is going to work um, between him, LeBron and AD. Um, so I like it. And plus it's as, as the great magic Johnson said, it'll be box office, instant box office um, to see how this all shakes out. So now I'm on, I'm on board. Um, I'm happy. I cannot wait to see how this works because uh, I saw a bunch of people saying like, Oh, they should have traded for Ben Simmons. Russell Westbrook is washed. They should have, should have done, other stuff while this Russell Westbrook trade eats into their cap space. And I'm like, first of all, they don't have cap space. Second of all, Ben Simmons would be an absolute train wreck on this team. And third, like, let's just see. Let's see. I saw Matt Moore uh, was talking about how when the Lakers won the title, um, yes, they had an unbelievable shooting performance in the bubble, but they also won the title because the stuff that they were really good at was just, they were so good at it that the stuff that was a weakness didn't matter. And so like, you know, like the defensive thing is going to be interesting to see um, how all three of those guys, the big guys commit to playing defensively. Um, but like if they're really good defensively in transition, that team's going to be an absolute nightmare for people. They're going to just run people off the floor. Yeah, and it's going to be – I think that to me the commitment to defense thing is, is real and it's a concern, but it's also a – to me at a deeper level is like the commitment to not making Anthony Davis clean up for everyone, right? Like, and so like if you guys like hold up your end of the bargain somewhat to allow his greatness to shine through on defense like and him not having to just cover for everyone, that would be great. Um, and Frank Vogel will definitely have to earn like, – his money and what this now being right now a weird lame duck year as of the time of reporting this because he does not have a contract extension um and we'll kind of see how that goes plus um 
LeBron just spent uh, this summer working with the Toon Squad, <laughs> the Looney Tunes, and just decided that he was gonna the the super team that he didn't get to put together in that movie. He just decided he was gonna put them together on the Lakers, except it's the super team of like 2012. They got, they got Carmelo <laughs> Anthony joining up too now. Yeah, like that part of it, it's so funny to see how that part of it has gone because like two years ago when that was heavily rumored, like it was like a, a running joke, right? Throughout the entire season about the Lakers picking him up. Then Portland gets him. He plays well in the role that he had for Portland. And now people are like, oh, it's going to be fine. So we'll see. Like if he's willing to just kind of be offense off the bench, that works if he does another press conference saying like hey p they tell me i got to come off the bench like he did with you guys then we've got issues but we'll, we'll see we'll see how that one goes i think the problem in oklahoma city was that like billy donovan was asking carmelo anthony to come off the bench so that he could start jeremy grant like <laughs> if carmelo anthony is coming off the bench in los angeles so that the lakers can start lebron james like carmelo's not going to He's not going to have a ton of people in his corner if he starts complaining about coming off the bench. Right. Like, Plus somebody has to like, it, it, someone has a great opportunity in that second unit um, to really have a significant role because somebody's got to score on that second unit. Um, so, Hey, embrace it, Carmelo. Two words, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we can do an entire pod about him fumbling the bag because I see like every day now for the last three days, I've logged on to Twitter, looked at the trending topics, and he continues to be a trending topic, and it is not good. <laughs> like it's just nothing but people roasting him for turning down $84 million over four years. Like it's not, it is not good for him right now. Nope, no fun. Um, it does seem to be good for Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez, um, the, uh, the BTN crew. Uh, is doing their sounds like they're doing their annual tour around Big Ten country. They started off with Nebraska, so they caught a Nebraska practice. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. They they caught a Nebraska practice Thursday morning, and uh, in in particular, Howard Griffith came away with some nice words about Adrian Martinez. Um, that's on the heels of Husker coaches this week and and some wideouts talking about how Adrian looks really good, and it's it's amazing how. Uh, that happens whenever the uh, the group of pass catchers he has is, is a competent group of pass catchers and a deep group of pass catchers. I'm not saying the previous years weren't competent groups of pass catchers, but there just seems to be a little bit more confidence in this group. Um, that that includes wide receivers and tight ends, and I think the offensive line is going to be better. So you, if you surround a quarterback with talent, the quarterback looks talented. It's, it's funny how that works. That seems to be one of the big takeaways uh, from the week. But, Greg, you got to watch a practice – same as the BTN guys, and you've been around them all week this week. What, what's been one of the most interesting things that you've heard uh, so far through, through the first week of fall camp? Man, it, it's to me, it, it is honestly, and you set this up perfectly for me because it is a position, the one position you did not mention on the offense, and that is running back. So what we heard yesterday um, from Matt Lubick and specifically saying that Marquis Stepp has been healthy this fall camp has not missed a practice um, and has been ahead of schedule health-wise. And he even said that if they had to play a game tomorrow, that he'd be ready to roll. I, I, I don't want to say stunned. <laughs> this might be too strong, but I was very surprised to hear him say that. Like that, because to me, that changes a lot or starts to shift the picture of what we think is going to happen in that running back room. 
um, just as far as who's going to play. Um, I full like transparency here in the times that we've done like projected depth charts and all of that stuff for Hale Varsity. Like I, I think one of those times I left him off the 2D Barky step. Um, you so did. like, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> you quickly remind me. So like <laughs> to hear that he's like up and running and, and full go um, was really surprising to me. Um, and really is the big thing and maybe because it's fresh in my mind that, that stood out to me uh, from these first few days. So where was Gabe Irvin? Uh, he was the, he was the third guy that, that Matt Lubick mentioned, I believe in that time. Cause I think he mentioned Marky step, then mentioned Savion Morrison and then Gabe Irvin um, as, as a part of that group. Okay. And then he, and then he came back after talking a little bit, mentioned Marvin Scott, then said Ramir Johnson is doing some nice things. Like that was okay. the the order of how that went um, when specifically asked about the running backs. So I was trying to read through some stuff. I'm obviously away, so I'm not at practice now. I don't know how many people that listen to this saw that announcement, but um, I've been reading through some stuff and trying to watch what I can. And then I, and I came away from the running back discourse thinking like, okay, Savion Morrison is there. My guy Savion Morrison yeah. is, is up there. Uh, we got some good stuff on Marquis Step. Okay, Marvin Scott is there. No surprise after the spring he had. There wasn't as much talk about Gabe Irvin as I was expecting. And I got to say, I was a little curious about that because it seemed like after the spring, uh, that the, the guy, well, maybe not the position, um, the guy leading the position, but certainly the guy that had put himself in maybe the best position going into summer and fall was Gabe Irvin. And so do you think... Marquise step has been a healthy Marquise step is good enough to in one week, just change that and be like, all right, yep. It's his job now, as long as he's healthy. Maybe, but it also might be a thing, a combination of the first week plus whatever happened during the summer. Right. Because you could have also seen if step put together a healthy summer to go along with the healthy start to the fall camp, then I think that that because knowing that you brought the you brought him in as a transfer to be the guy like I or to at least be you know one of your t- probably top two ball carriers uh, from the running back position so maybe it's a combination of that but I think that the guy that is kind of the wild card in that that I don't I don't know if he's leapfrog uh, Gabe Irvin at this point or not but Sevian Morrison your guy is really kind of a wild card in all of this too because Matt Lubick did talk a little bit more extensively about him and kind of his journey of not being healthy last year and not really ha- and having one of the weirdest years um, of guys on the team last year. Then we heard because Ryan Health has publicly challenged him about this, about the stuff with his diet and making sure that he's doing the right things away from the field. And so he had, a, uh, I, I would say, a lot of room for growth over the summer too. So that's why I'm really interested to talk to Held. Um, about this whenever we get the chance to speak with him about the state of the running back room. And I don't think it was an accident that we did not talk to Held yet um, because I think that they're waiting to get a little bit more data on what's happening with those backs before we get to just pepper him with questions about it. So Morrison is really interesting to me because they've got three scholarship backs that are over six foot. Well, I guess Gant would now be the fourth, but they've signed three scholarship backs that have been over six foot. And then you've got a guy like Marvin Scott, 5'9". You've got Ramir Johnson, who's 5'10". I believe Ronald Tompkins, before he left, was was under six foot. 
um, Morrison, when, when he got here, Frost said, yeah, he's one of the more complete backs that we have. So he can do a, a lot of the things that are asked of a running back. And I should say could do early on a lot of the things asked of a running back. Um, and so for him, like you just kind of touched on it. It was about diet. It was about getting in better shape. Last year was about being healthy, not having COVID. Um, he, you know, like I, I really wonder what the, the situation is with him kind of moving forward, what kind of potential role he could have. Schmitty asked me this on the radio and sort of my gut reaction to there being more talk on Savion Morrison the first week was just that I think we're, we might see that like with a rotating cast of running backs as we move through fall camp, just because I wonder if they're maybe going to just give different guys opportunities and just say, all right, you know, these next couple of days, like you're working with the ones or you're working with the twos, let's see what you can do with it. And maybe that guy that's working that week that gets talk post-practice isn't necessarily going to be the number two running back when the season rolls around, but they just want to see what they have because they have a, a ton of scholarship running backs that they got to figure out. So with, with Morrison, um, I'll be really interested to see kind of whether he is that number two guy and can hold on to that position or if it was one of those, like, let's just let's give him an opportunity and see what he can do. Yeah, and also, as remember, as we move through these practices as today, as we're recording on Thursday, like the first day of, of padded practice, right? Those are going to be important. Every one of those padded practices, which now there are less of, are going to be really important for those backs. Um, as we move through camp, the availability of those guys, because remember how much we talked about that during the spring, um, is going to play a factor in this. Like, it's going to be really hard, I think, for them, for the coaching staff to figure out how to divvy it up to get a good evaluation on those guys. Like that's, especially at this point with Lubick saying that they're going through five guys, like we named them, but is there five guys that you have to get touches to get evaluations on? That's tough. So, so they have six scholarship backs. <laughs> they, they said they're working with five. That, they're that, working with five. That's what he who's, who's the, uh, who's the, the stitch left standing alone in the rain. Yant was not mentioned. Oh, see, I would think he would first. he would fare pretty well with the uh, with the pads on and contact starting up now. And see, and that's what I'm I'm curious to see how that changes because it, it can Yant wiggle his way into like being in that group, and then Ramir Johnson maybe slides out. Um, I don't know. Like, and I and I, but I do think that your point is good about like I think that we'll see a rotation of guys being talked about throughout the spring. I think that you're, we're going to basically have days where each guy has their day and time. Maybe not. We'll see if, if we go a couple of weeks and it's consistently say Step or Morrison, then we kind of know where it's going. But I think that, that we'll continue to hear different names um, throughout camp. Big week for the tight ends. Chris Hickman, <laughs> a, a, a rogue random chris hickman appears out of nowhere to catch us was it 70 yards 70. a 70 yard pass chris hickman's year no but tight ends had a good week it sounds like um are you buying that the tight end is going to be more involved and not just one tight end but multiple tight ends are going to be more involved and heavily featured in this passing game because not only did tight ends have a good week but it came with scouts on the sideline of the practice that you got to watch that uh, by most reports, were were pretty interested in what the tight ends were doing. They, they spent, I believe, the entire time that we were there, like they had to have been with the tight ends, if not all of the time we were there. 
um, the vast majority of it. Like they spent a lot of time with those tight ends. Um, and I think for good reason. I mean, you have two guys in Travis Volkelek and Austin Allen um, that have NFL potential. I, I kind of wonder what Thomas Fedoni was thinking, even though he's just a true freshman, um, watching those guys be there. But that's neither here nor there. Um, it, it's you know exactly man. what he was thinking. He was probably pissed that he had to be standing yeah, there in shorts and a t shirt. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, but he was being a good teammate, high fiving guys <laughs> down for him. So that's good. And that'll be a little check mark uh, by his name moving forward for those guys. But I am continuously asked about whether or not I'm buying the tight ends. I, I'm reluctantly buying that they're going to have an increased role. Um, it, just because it feels like they kind of have to. Like, it, it would be a waste in a way for you to have two guys that could create mismatch problems for a defense to not be utilized in the offense this year, um, especially when you just need to have, whether you want to call it a security blanket or just a cons- consistency from guys catching the football, like you, like you feel like you know what you can kind of get from Allen and Vokalek. Like it would be a shame if they are not utilized more this year, especially coming off the heels of something I wrote about yesterday which was the red zone, right? And Nebraska needing to be better in the red zone, specifically with passing touchdowns. Like you would think that you should be able to utilize those tight ends. It would be easier to do that than doing, you know, jet sweeps inside the fives or shovel passes. So hopefully I am reluctantly buying the tight ends for this year. No shovel pass inside the five yard. Please stop doing that. Is that that your official stance? No shovel pass? It's absolutely. Like, I feel like, the one thing that I, I really locked up with the fan base on is no more shovel passes inside the five. I am not with you guys. Sorry on the swing passes, but I am with you on the no shovel passes inside the five. Not with be, meaning that you're okay with swing passes. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with the swing passes. I admit that I at the risk. I mean, they scored, they things. scored, they scored with Wyatt Lever on a swing pass when they were inside they did. the red zone. Those plays are very effective if they actually get blocked well. Yeah, you, they, they like have to have two things. If they get <laughs> yeah, the quarterback has to put the ball where it needs to be, and wide receivers out there need to block better. Yes. Um, which is one of the reasons why I think everybody is so excited about just the sheer size, the, the beefiness, if I can say that word, that they have <laughs> at wide receiver now. The three freshmen that showed up in the summer uh, look the same as everybody else in that wide receiver room now. Also, they definitely do. We're gonna have to have a conversation about Latrell Neville because that guy looks like somebody that that is playing right now. He does look like that. Um, I think all of the the freshman wide receivers showed up looking the part. Um, and the only hesitation that like I have about saying that one of them at least will be able to play this year is that they just have so many guys at wide receiver. Like it's going to be really tough just numbers wise for them to get on the field, but it would not stun me if at least one of them says, Hey, I've got to be a factor to at least get out here at some point. So the tight end thing is curious because Austin Allen is the leading returning um, receiver. It's not a receiver. He's a tight end, but he has the most receiving yardage last season of all the returning wideouts. But even then of all the returning pass catchers excuse me it was something like 200 yards right um so they they did get the tight ends more involved last year that was a a talking point in the offseason it was a talking point in the preseason and then it actually came to fruition during the year that was a thing that happened but it led to now i have the numbers pulled up it led to 18 catches for 236 yards and a touchdown for austin allen led to nine catches for 91 yards 
no scores for Travis Vokalek. Zach Jack Stoll had seven catches for 89 yards. So like, and, and this conversation applies to all of the pass catchers. The production is just so hard to forecast for anyone catching the ball in Nebraska's offense because we're not sure whether the quarterback is going to average like 170 yards again passing. Whether We're not sure whether this offense is, is going to be what they throw for last year. Let me pull it up. They threw for 190 yards a game last year. Like that's not, that's, that's not going to be NFL type production when we're looking at it at the end of the season. The thing that can be interesting though, with the tight end usage is if they feel like they've got Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek, who are guys that the quarterback is going to look at early in his progression. If they feel like they've got a guy in Chris Hickman who can have those field stretching plays up the seam, if they can create explosives through the tight ends, Maybe the biggest benefit of that is what Frost can do personnel-wise to sort of break some tendencies. Like, like let's say they could throw the ball out of 22 personnel or 13 personnel once Fedoni's healthy. Like, if they can do that and then you introduce some of, like, the quarterback dart stuff that they have in their offense and you're running out of empty sets or – you're motioning a slot receiver into the backfield and, and running that way. Like suddenly this offense becomes very, very difficult to even more so than, than it has been difficult to, to put a finger on pre-snap. What is happening? Who's getting the ball? Where are they going? Which could probably be super helpful for them. And, and I feel like there's some stuff that Nebraska, that Frost and Lubick haven't been able to get to because of inconsistencies with the ground game, because of inconsistencies with their downfield pass, the explosive stuff. I feel like there's stuff they haven't been able to get to. Now, maybe they would argue that point, but if you suddenly are in a position where you feel like not only can you throw the ball out of personnel groupings that have two or three tight ends on the field, but you can find explosive pass plays out of those kinds of personnel groupings. That's, I mean, you're, that, that's going to help the ground game. That's going to help your red zone offense. That's going to help. Uh, that, that's going to open some stuff up. Yeah, and I think that that's the it's it's really the missing element to this offense thus far at Nebraska under Frost. Right, is that being able to have the defense, have the opposing defense respect multiple things. Right, and I think that that has been kind of the secret or not so secret sauce to this offense wherever Frost has been, whether it was at UCF, whether it was um, Frost and Lubick at Oregon, what have you. Like the really difficult thing about this offense is that they make you defend everything, right? Like, and so, you know, you're, the vertical pass game is a threat. The intermediate pass game is a threat. The short pass game is a threat, but oh, by the way, so is the running back run game. And then you also got to figure out how to defend the quarterback run game. Like that's when you just lay it out that way, that's where it becomes so difficult. Um, and like I said, with the tendency breakers is that when you can then do anything out of any set where you can do it competently, I shouldn't say anything, but when you can do things competently out of multiple sets, it becomes really difficult to defend. Um, and I think Nebraska should be closer to that. I'm just not sure which of those, which of the elements we're talking about really unlocks that. Is it the tight end game that unlocks that level of the offense or is it still the running game? 
from the running backs. That's <laughs> be very clear that I, I have a hard time going back and forth on which, or is it the, the threats outside? Because it could just be that, right? We talked about, um, Lubick talked a lot about how deep they were at wide receiver. Like if you do have to defend those guys on the outside and really respect what they're doing and you can't have that extra safety in the box, like does that then open things up? I think that there are, the good thing about what we're talking about is there should be a lot of different avenues to Nebraska's offense being better. But then again, like we started off saying, you just don't know because we don't know how to project this offense. What do you think of Xavier Betts' potential role? I think that his ceiling is that he's the third starting wide receiver with Omar Manning, potentially, knock on wood, whatever you're getting there, and then uh, Samari Torre. I think that he has that level of talent. Um, but then also you could potentially see what you saw in spring, which is, you know, he's not as involved as he could be. Um it, but I'm very encouraged by what we heard yesterday. And I don't know that, I, and I again wrote a story about this for this, this morning on the site. That's like, why I asked you about him. Right, your story, that, man, my guy. I'm just, it's, I was very, very interested in how he spoke about what his spring was like. Okay. Like I thought that that was as um, like mature a press conference low key as we've had at Nebraska in a long time. For a guy that has the amount of potential as he had and came in with the fanfare, especially being an in-state kid as he did, to basically stand up there. And it was that his real first extended time talking to us to say, you know, I've heard, I heard all the questions about where was Xavier Betts um, this spring. I didn't take care of my business. I took that feedback. I didn't. I got what I deserved because I didn't deserve much. And then I went to the, back in the lab and worked harder to earn more. Like, I thought that was really cool. Um, and physically he has all the tools. Like he's a big guy. He also is a fast kid. Um, and so he's able to do everything that they want to be able to do at wide receiver. And so he has enormous potential. Um, it's just getting him there on a consistent basis. Yeah. I'd like, you said, you asked, is that the first time that we've talked to Xavier Betts? I have never spoken to Xavier Betts. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I can never me, remember because it gets difficult for me because I talked to them during the recruiting process. Yeah. So it all just runs together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can never remember. Let me, uh, let me read this quote that you were talking about. This is I'm looking at Greg's story. So if you're a Hale varsity subscriber, go look at the story. If you're not a Hale varsity subscriber, get on it. So you can look at the story. Here's a quote from, from Xavier. I didn't do as well in the spring as I should have. And so that was on me. I know my stuff. I'm running full speed on routes and I'm trying to catch everything I can. I'm playing a lot harder. I'd say my desire to get better has grown a lot more since the spring. I was there in the spring, but it wasn't as big and as deep as it should have been. Over the summer, I found ways to improve that. From then to now, I want to get better now. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear. Because I, I remember sitting in the spring game, Memorial Stadium, thinking like, he's on the other team. He, he's on the side that doesn't have Omar Manning and Samori Toure and Oliver Martin. So like, you know, regardless of who's throwing him the football, like he should be the guy popping up more often than not when that white offense is on the field. And that just didn't seem to be the case. And so I guess for him to get up there and, and really, really take ownership of that, I guess, was he asked specifically about his spring 
or was he was he bringing this stuff up sort of on his own saying like i want to be better now because i wasn't i didn't do what i needed to do or what i wanted to do then he was asked about it um but even to to go there because I, I i just don't believe that many kids would have actually admitted that um and maybe i'm wrong but i just don't think that would have happened but he was definitely asked about it and then we kind of pressed on some follow-ups on how that happened and all of that um but you got to think that his coaches definitely loved that. It also was kind of interesting of him talking about the positive reinforcement um, and hearing Deontay Williams and Adrian Martinez say that he has as much, as much potential as any guy on the team or the most potential on anyone on the team was really interesting too. Um, because you also don't hear athletes like just actually say that. Like it's one of those things that is true probably of most people. There are people that respond more to the criticism and then they'll get back after it. Uh, but to hear him say that, um, I thought was pretty neat as well. Reminds you of how young he is. Yes, that was something that I thought of too. Yeah. Most of the time you get these guys that have that have sort of just gone through media training and they know and uh, just don't say, don't really say anything juicy, mm-hmm. just kind of say the bare minimum and then get out of there. And, and I guess for him to be that, that open uh, and honest, that, that usually signals that they're pretty young and haven't dealt with you guys very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And I, I maybe think too, I was like, I wonder if like when he's a grizzled senior, that's maybe like been all conference or something. Will he then, will he still be giving us uh, this level of insight? I sure hope so. Uh, Cause obviously he's got it in him, but we'll see if that changes over time. Now nah, he's going to be sassy and snarky and, uh, and Marshawn Lynch like with his answers. I'm just here. So I don't get fined. That's, that's fine. so you think he could be okay i'm gonna ask you to do this first week of fall camp this is dumb you shouldn't (laughs) have to answer this question but i'm gonna ask you to do this oliver martin or xavier betts for that third receiver spot i'm still gonna go oliver martin okay um but you think betts has the ceiling to take that spot yes yeah and I just don't think that I, I would doubt that he that Betts has made up enough ground to grab that spot from Oliver Martin. By the way, by all accounts, had a great spring summer <laughs> and still playing one in the fall, too. Um, so it's not going to be easy to take that spot. Um, but so I would go still Oliver Martin. And one of the things in, in um, Oliver Martin's favor is that he's he seems to be a, a, the kind of player that is just there every day, making the right play every day from what we've heard from the coaches. And uh, when you're a young player, consistency isn't always your strong suit, but certainly, you know, Adrian Martinez said it at the start of fall camp. And, and like you said, Deontay Williams talked about it when we were in Indianapolis for Big Ten media days. Xavier Betts has all the talent in the world. I mean, he was a, a he was a blue chip recruit for a reason. So, yes. Um, do you feel so? So here's the last question for you. Frost has maintained this stance since like the winter when he said, or, or before the spring started, when he said that he feels as good about this receiver group. And, and I would say lump the tight ends into that. He feels as good about this pass, this group of pass, pass catchers as he has any group he's had at Nebraska. He's maintained that stance throughout the offseason up until, you know, the, the fall camp kickoff press conference. He said the same thing then. The closer we get to the season – and the more I hear people talk about this group of pass catchers, the more I hear Adrian talk about it, the more I hear Lubick talk about it, the more I see people writing about them, the more I'm starting to be like, all right, okay, I can see it. I believe you. Okay, I'm in. Are you in the same boat? 
Yes, and, and I didn't I didn't think I'd be there, but they really have the pieces to to be significantly better at that position. And if those guys are are there on a daily basis, being consistent, and and I think one of the real interesting markers of this, and I'm gonna single a guy out. It's not I'm not like putting him down. If you hear as we get closer to the season that like Levi Falk is still like playing um, and getting snaps, but he's part of the rotation now, that tells me that guy that Omar Manning is there on a, on a daily basis still, right, as he's been here recently and Lubick said yesterday. Xavier Betts has continued that rise that he's had. Oliver Martin is playing as well as he tested. And then Samari Torre obviously has continued to be as good as he was. And I feel like I'm even forgetting somebody, right? Um, and so, and there are, because there are other guys in the, in the mix. Alante Brown's still out there in the mix, right? Um, Will Nixon is someone they still really like. And so, I, if, if that was Wyatt probably, Lever, don't leave Wyatt, Lever out. Sorry, Wyatt Lever. Don't leave guy. Lever That's out. Probably, so how many guys did we just rattle off seven <laughs> seven eight? or eight yeah like that's all it's a lot of guys like and that's before the freshmen that we were talking about that really um at least physically definitely looked apart so i i do think that they've recruited and coached themselves into having a lot of options which is really good because you still have question marks to, but now you're in a spot where if one of those guys does not take the step that you were hoping for, it's not going to doom the entire position because you have more than, say, two guys that you really feel good about. Yeah, for sure. Um, Greg, we'll let you get on with your day. You're, uh, you got stuff to do. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking a little football. It's that time again. It, it's getting close. It's getting close. I think, was it three weeks, four weeks away? Yeah, it's, like it's closer that. than I realized. I looked at the calendar. I'm like, "Ooh, we're getting there." Yeah, once we, I think once we get through this weekend. So depending on when you're listening to this, if you're a, a late podcast listener, it, you know, might even be a situation where there's only what three Saturdays, four Saturdays. I don't know. It's getting close. So uh, we'll keep talking Nebraska football. We'll have plenty more on HailVarsity.com. I guess you guys will have. I can't say we anymore. You guys will have plenty more on HailVarsity.com moving forward. Greg Smith has its own podcast. The Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. Leave it a five-star review. It's really good. Listen to it every week. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Leave a five-star review. If you do not leave a five-star review, I will uh, find your email and I will spam videos of the Scott's Tots episode of The Office straight into your inbox. And nobody wants that. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, keep reading hellbarcity.com. Shouts to Cam for producing this week and all you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hoda Media Production.